Matthew was written by, most likely Matthew, who was a Jewish tax collector. Uh, tax collectors didn't have a great reputation. I wasn't there, but probably because they were crooked, having to do something with money, I'm assuming. But regardless, Jesus calls Matthew to follow him. Uh, and that's good to note because Matthew, from what we know about tax collectors, doesn't have a good reputation. And Jesus chooses him to, as one of his disciples. That's saying something, right? So if you're out there and you're thinking, well, I don't really have much to offer. I've got, I've got so many problems, so many issues. Um, you don't have any excuses. Look at Matthew. Okay? So that's my first encouraging word. Written by Matthew, a Jewish tax collector, his audience uh, that he's speaking to is most likely Jews. If you read the book of Matthew, he's got all of these um, prophecies that he, that he reminds his audience of. And that's not something really that Gentiles would be concerned with. Okay, And if you look at chapter 1... It's the genealogy, it's the lineage of Jesus, where he came from, his whole family history. Another thing that Gentiles really wouldn't be interested in, okay? And side note, if you ever read chapter 1 of Matthew, you're going to realize something about God, and it's this. He's unconventional. God is unconventional. And it goes back to what I said about choosing Matthew. God uses whoever he wants to. If you look at Abraham, Isaac, you just keep going down, there's all these really weird situations that happened that were all ordained by God. I mean, there's some prostitutes in there, There's, and you're just reading it, there's more, there's more than that. Um, there's some, I don't want to, I don't know if it's incest, but like there's a father-in-law who, had a child with his, his, uh, his daughter-in-law. I don't know. It, you get the idea. <clears throat> so Matthew's audience is the Jews. His aim, from what I read from it, is that he's trying to get the Jews to see that Jesus is the person of God revealed, the prophet, the Christ, the Messiah. Why? Because the Jews have been waiting for him to come, for the Christ to come. Why? Because they're under oppression. Are y'all following me so far? Yes. So they've been waiting for this man of God to come, this person of God to come. And they know a little bit about him. They know some of the prophecies, but they're waiting expectantly expectantly, because nobody enjoys being under oppression. Alright? So, we're going to skip chapters 2 through 4. Jesus is born, and it's not the great greatest picture in the world. He's basically on the run. His parents are on the run from the beginning. People are trying, want to kill him. Uh, we're skipping all of that. And we're getting into Jesus' first sermon. And let me open up my Bible. Chapter 5 of Matthew. It's called the Beatitudes. And really, we're going to see that 
They are the characteristics of God himself. I don't know exactly all that Jesus was trying to get across when he was preaching his sermon, but I like to catch uh, patterns and, and principles and concepts. And there's something to be noted here about these Beatitudes, and they are all characteristics of God himself. And Jesus is talking, but he's, he's saying that all these characteristics describe someone who is blessed. You follow me so far? Okay? We're going to read through them in just a second. But all of these characteristics describe someone who's blessed. And what does blessed mean? Some, if you look it up, sometimes it will say happy, but that really doesn't get the whole idea of what Jesus is, the point he's getting across. It's God's favor. You with me? God's favor. To be blessed is to have God's favor resting on you. So who is blessed? And another question you might want to be thinking about in, in terms of the Jews expecting the Christ to come, they might be wondering, what does the person of God look like? What is he going to look like? How am I going to know when I see him? So here we are. We're going to describe what the person of God looks like. Pick up with me in verse 1. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And in addition to those, Jesus says, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So, as I said, the Jew, the Jew Jesus, describes the person who, who has God's favor. But if you notice, he's actually describing himself. A flip to Isaiah 53. I want to show you something. If you have it, you can read it out loud. Yeah, I mean, you could keep reading all of chapter 53, and it just describes him. And if I'm hearing it as a Jew, I'm thinking, no, that's not what somebody looks like who's going to come and save me. He barely looks like he can save himself. Despised, rejected, he's nothing really to look at. Are you seeing the characteristics from the Beatitudes? Poor in spirit, mourn, meek, merciful, peacemaker, persecuted. Can you see it? Can you hear it? If you listen to the verses. Here's another one. Go to Philippians 2, 7 through 9. I need someone to read that for me. What does the person of God look like? Jesus himself, he made himself nothing. 
he humbled himself to the point of being obedient to death. This is God's describing what the person of God looks like, okay? If you're desiring to follow God, I'm just saying, this is what it looks like. So being blessed means having God's favor. If you don't know this, God, Jesus' Father himself, testified out loud, and people heard it, his voice saying, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. He has God's favor, and these are the characteristics of a person of God. You with me? So, this is tough for them to accept, for them to receive. Not only that, but tonight, I'm gonna, I want you to, to think about this that God's person and his plan cannot be separated. You cannot have one without the other, okay? So sure, everybody wants Jesus because they don't want to die and go to hell. That's fine, I get it. But he has a plan. For get, he has a method for getting his message across. And do you know what it is? Do you know what his method for getting his message across is? Jody alluded to it. He even shared it. It's us. Continue reading in Matthew. Here we go. 13 through 16. Does anyone want to read it? I'll read it. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It's then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. God's message is that he lifts up those who are low. Look at the Beatitudes, the ones that we just said. Poor in spirit, those who mourn will be comforted. The meek will inherit the earth. If you think about all of them, they are all either hurting people or humble people, or both, hurting and humble. You have to be one of those to be any of these, to be a peacemaker. Have you ever tried being a peacemaker? Have you ever tried being meek? In the world's eyes, you lose. You lose. You are not the winner when you are meek, when you are a peacemaker. So what's the problem? We want to avoid that. We don't want to be the lowest on the totem pole. But Jesus was low. It said he was lowly. Came on a donkey. There's tons of examples and we just read a few of them in Isaiah and in Philippians. This is what the person of God looks like. And you want to follow him. He has a plan and his method of getting his message across is you. And guess what the context is? Guess what the setting is? It's conflict. We're not going to read them today, but the rest of chapter 5, Jesus gives specific examples of what it looks like in your day-to-day -day life. Conflict with your brother. 
I mean, loving people is the hardest thing to do. And he's just saying, you, you want to be like me. You accept me. So I made peace with you, with, between you and my father. I reconciled the difference, the relationship. Now, my method for getting my message across is in you. Did y'all know that? That you are his method. But it's not the way that we would really expect. The rest of chapter 5 is conflict. With your brother, with your wife, your enemies. This is the context. This is what it looks like to be salt and light. His heart has favor for the hurting and for the humble. That's what you see in, in, in the Beatitudes. So if you, if we try to separate those character traits from being the person of God, then the message of the gospel is lost. If we try to avoid being poor in spirit or mourning, if we try to avoid being meek and gentle or being a peacemaker, if we try to avoid being persecuted, the message that God is saving me, that God can save you, it's lost. That's what happens when we try to avoid it. Are you with me? Because nobody naturally desires conflict or the suffering that is involved. And, and look, you can't even avoid it anyways if you wanted to. It's going to happen. It's going to happen, but the only way that you're going to respond like Jesus is if you remember what he did for you and his promises. It's twofold. He gave you incentives. Here's the incentives. The poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Those who mourn, they'll be comforted. The meek, they shall inherit the earth. Their, their promises all are all attached to the, the suffering of what you would lose. If, for instance, if you're merciful with someone, chances are, in that situation when you're trying to be a peacemaker, that they're not merciful with you, right? Have you ever been in that situation? Where you're trying to love someone and you don't necessarily have anything to gain, kind of like Jesus. Jesus didn't need us, but, but he loved us for some just wonderful, miraculous reason. And here's another one. Uh, the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I, I wanted to save this one for next week. But a lot of what Jesus addresses are heart, heart issues, not behavior. So if we try to just manipulate our behavior to look like these things, we're going to be very frustrated. But his desire, his focus is where our hearts are at. 
So the Jews are like, okay, don't murder. Got it. Don't murder. Don't murder. Don't murder. Got it. I'm good. He's like, no, if you have anger with your brother, before you come and give an offering to me, go be a peacemaker and settle your differences with your brother. Oh, what if they don't? Ah, ah. Yeah, but I mean, they're, I didn't do that. Ah. Be a peacemaker. And in doing so, you prove God's message. His message is that he lifts the love. And that his heart is for the humble and the hurting. You prove it. You prove it. I didn't even tell you what the, the example was. The pure in heart. When he says, you've heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, whoever looks at a woman lusts for her has already committed adultery in his heart. He's concerned with the heart. So, looking and lusting happens in the heart. This is just one example. I want to save it. I want to save it. Whatever. So, when I choose, being tempted is not the sin. It's choosing. It, it, it happens when I'm ungrateful for what God has already given me and I want more. And that's way back. That's not just man. That's, that's all the way back to Adam and Eve. He's keeping something good from me that I want. I think it would be better if I have this. That's kind of the mentality of before you lust. But he's saying, if you be pure in heart, <coughs> what is the promise? Somebody read the rest of that. Pure in heart. What happens? They shall see God. They shall what? See God. See God. That's not ironic. That when, you, that when you obey Him and you trust Him, you believe in His promises, you'll get something even greater. That's how He works. So I don't want to... I, I want to uh, focus on... I want to go back to what it was like back in those days and what it's like for... For the Jews in that time. No, I don't. I don't want to. Guys, the person of God is the proof of his message. It's not it's not in words so much as we think it is. It's in our actions. It's when you have conflict with your brother, with your wife, with your enemy, whoever, with your employee. And so we can't be a person of God and not be following his plan. I can't have one without the other. Let me give you an example. Uh, has anybody ever played for... Uh, like a football team, or when you were kids, you'd have captains and they'd pick, right? It's team captains. Team captains choose, I got you. Oh, the captain's like, I got you. Okay, him. Right? There's the person, and then after you're on the team, what do you do shortly before you start playing? 
If you're a good leader, you've got a plan. So try doing this. Try joining on that team, and then you tell the captain, so glad I'm on your team, but uh, do we have to follow the plans? Those plans? That's really what the rest of chapter 5 is. It's what the plays look like. I'm not even a football fan, but I didn't realize how much is relatable to a football game in this. As I was thinking about it, I was like, wow. The rest of chapter 5 is specific day-to-day of Jesus' plays, play-by-play. And you can't advance the way that you do in football, but you can't advance. You can't move forward unless you follow the plays. There was more. I was like, oh, that's like this. The finish line would be like people seeing him. People seeing him in, in you. There's probably more. Uh, that's all I have tonight. Next week, we're going to be looking at specifics. What does it look like in the day to day? But here's what I want you to take away. Y'all don't need a 45-minute message, okay? Here's your takeaways. The person of God is the proof of his message. It's an active, ongoing thing in your life that is a testimony of God saving you. Let me give you a a verse that might help you. Uh, 2 Corinthians... You right before that. What is that one? Two eighteen? So thank you. Okay, eighteen and nineteen. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself. Reconciled. That means he restored the relationship. How? Through Jesus Christ. And has given us the ministry of reconciliation. What do you know? He reconciled us. Now he gave us the same ministry to do with the world. That is that God was in Christ... Reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. Sounds merciful. And has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Yeah, and then it goes on to say what what he said. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. As though God were pleading through us. You are the salt and the light. So... Real quick, I just want to end with salt and light. What is salt good for when it loses its saltiness? 
Nothing. Who who puts sand on their steak? Nobody does that. What? Nobody puts sand on their steak. Because that's pointless. And there are many people who are acclaimed followers of Christ. And God's plan is got the message of the gospel is not being revealed at all in their life. They might be able to quote scripture, lead a Bible study, do whatever that looks religious. A lot of people can do that. But as far as being meek, being a peacemaker, none of it is there. And the world, pay attention, the world can recognize that. They can recognize salt that's not salty. That's not your purpose. Neither is your purpose to be given light by God and to cover it up. And here's how we cover it up. By avoiding the characteristics of all those Beatitudes. I don't want to be a peacemaker. I don't want to be me. I want to be persecuted. Okay. Then you're salt with no saltiness. It's pointless. A life planned not according to God's purpose is pointless. I'm just saying, this is what it says right here, salt without saltiness, it's pointless. It's trampled by men. Let your life so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. <coughs> People are... When you love somebody who you feel is not worthy of love, someone who's wronged you, and that's what we're going to talk about next week, someone has wronged you and you love them, you are proving the gospel to them. It's real. That's how you prove it. They don't need a Bible study yet. They need to see it, that it's real. So you avoid it? No, I, no, I'm right. Okay, you be right then. Now look, I just need to clarify. When I say you... I, I'm talking, this is how I talk to myself. I, I refer to myself. Okay? Yeah. So I'm talking to myself. Just clarify. Oh, are you with me? Do you follow me tonight? Don't avoid the opportunities to be a peacemaker. To, to be persecuted, all those things. You can reread it if you want. Chapter 5, 3 through 13. Don't avoid those. We want to avoid them. But in doing so, we're like salt that's not even salt, it's pointless. Don't be pointless. God has purpose for your life. Let's pray. Lord, I ask for forgiveness, and I already know you forgive me, but I just need to say it out loud for myself. Um, I'm sorry for being prideful when I want to be the one that comes out in the end that is right, or the one that is strong, 
or the one that is higher or more lifted up than my enemy or than even my spouse. Pray that I could let any of that go, God, and that I would just shine in any circumstance that I'd be like you and that I would be proof that, that you are lifting up those who are low and that your heart is for the hurting and for the humble. And I pray the same thing for all these people here.